Well, for those of us on the platform, those uh, images, while they were brief, I think evoked a lot of different memories from a couple of weeks ago. We have a lot to uh, actually uh, put some flesh on those bones and help uh, understand uh, some of the, the neat things that the Lord has done. Uh, you know, we think of the General Council of the Christian and Missionary Alliance as the uh, highest legislative body of our denomination. And so we have uh, primary images, perhaps, of uh, working through business sessions and people making motions and all those kinds of things. And you might even fall asleep just thinking about it. But obviously from that video, you recognize a lot more takes place at General Council than those kinds of business sessions. And we're here to share some of those things uh, about it. Uh, up on the platform are uh, Pastor Don Pullen and, uh, and Paul and Sandy Williamson and Sonny Torres and Karen Solomon and Jim Clark. And uh, there are a bunch of others from the Village Church who were there as well. But these are the ones who were sort of attached as accredited delegates uh, to the Village Church, and that's why we've invited them. We had to cut the limit somewhere, you know. We had to decide how many people we're going to have up here. Uh, but we're going to have some opportunities to share some of the highlights. And what I'd like to do now is to start with Jim Clark. You know, you know Jim, don't you? Jim is the uh, Director of Employee Ministry here at Shell Point. And uh, Jim is actually going through since he's been here. You've been here uh, about how, how long? Just about two years. Two years. You can use your microphone when you answer Just questions. Just about two years. Way. There you go. <laughs> uh, so Jim has been here about two years. And one of the things that he's going through is he's going through the ordination process in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And this is a new denomination for, for Jim. And so this is his first general council. So I really want to start with you, Jim. I want yeah. you to give us uh, your impressions, what was significant to you about uh, meeting the Alliance in a way that perhaps uh, you never met before. Yeah, and Alliance General Council was a wonderful experience uh, for me. Uh, as you may have uh, remembered, uh, the Sunday night before General Council, I had the opportunity, the, the privilege to be able to bring God's Word here in the Village Church, and one of the uh, themes of my sermon around Christian unity um, was in light of some very contentious, some challenging discussions that were on the docket for general counsel. And I wondered, um, as I'm sure you might, in this culture, in this time, where people struggle with debate, where they're just ready to start a fight or to be offended, uh, how would the, the body of believers at General Council handle these contentious issues and, and the discussions that took place? And one of the things that I thought really stood out was the emphasis on worship and prayer, on testimony, uh, on the spoken word. And so in the morning, several hours of wonderful worship of testimonies of international workers and uh, the, the national office folks. Uh, in the evening, many more hours of preaching and of worship. And then in the middle of the afternoon were the business sessions. For several hours, we would conduct uh, business as an assembly. And that balance was so key. I think the, spirit, the, the spiritual leadership from President Stumbo and his leadership uh, of Pastor Andy during the business sessions really allowed for there to be a spirit of vertical focus, even while we had to dig into some, some serious matters in the afternoon. That balance, I thought, 
several times in the afternoon, if, if this had been flipped, if we had two business sessions and one worship in the evening, uh, it, it wouldn't have worked. It would have felt very heavy and difficult and contentious, but this um, focus, returning back to the Lord over and over, really made the difference. Uh, one other observation, and if you've had the privilege to attend general council, you know this, um, having the whole family, as many as are able to, to, to come to this event, all in the same room, what a remarkable uh, experience that is to have people who have traveled from all over the world and all over our country uh, to gather together once every other year at, at great cost, I'm sure, uh, for many churches to be able to send delegates and their pastors, but to be able to be in the same room worshiping together, praising the Lord and sharing the, the great work that has happened in those two years, uh, it's really, really special. Thanks, Jim. Now, obviously, uh, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, its middle name is Missions, and so uh, one of the focuses that we uh, shared during the week, obviously, is hearing from international workers. Uh, a lot of uh, wonderful testimonies and observations were made by our missionaries. And I wonder, Paul and Sandy, would you share your thoughts and observations, having been just sort of council veterans? You've been to a number of other councils uh, together. Uh, what, what are your impressions of of this current state of missions and missionaries that you have uh, experienced during General Council? Uh, what I really uh, enjoyed and appreciated was the, what they called the President's Reports. And that was given in the mornings. And instead of him just standing there giving statistics and so forth, uh, he would share the different stories of our international workers. And it was just inspiring and encouraging to see what is going on around the world. Thank you. Sometimes the Lord gives us a special blessing that we're not expecting. And we really love to see the older missionaries. We always go to the retirees missions uh, luncheon. And uh, this year there were 12 couples retiring. And we knew many of them. They've been on the field for years and years. And it's wonderful to hear their stories. But one of the things that happened to us that was a little different was one evening during uh, the service, they had a prayer time, and we split into groups. And it just so happened the way it worked is Sandy and I ended up in a group of Paul and Sandy, <laughs> which was fine. And as we began to pray, I sensed somebody there. And I looked over, and here's a young man. And he asked if he can pray with us. And I said, sure. Let me back up a minute. Another missionary that wasn't at council, JP and Judy Schultz, had the week before council sent us an update and they asked us to pray for a couple that were coming out to Indonesia. JP and Judy are leaders of an Envision site in Indonesia. We've known JP since he was in high school and it's been more than 40 years, so we've known him a long time. And they asked us to pray for a couple that was needed to get visas. Well, as we began to talk with this person after the prayer, we realized that he was the man that was the fiance of another girl that we met after service that JP and Judy asked us to pray for. So isn't it neat how God blesses us with little unexpected indications of how he cares for individuals, how he cares for details, and how he cares for us. 
So that was one of the things that was special for us. Jim, what other testimonies uh, come to mind that uh, struck you? Yeah, there were just uh, such a number. If you have been a part of the Global Impact Week, you know hearing stories from international workers is incredibly inspiring. At General Counsel, you have the opportunity to hear just one after the other after the other of the, the work that the Lord has done. Uh, we heard about an exploding uh, church plant in uh, a former Soviet bloc country uh, that was just growing uh, left and right about uh, from a very energetic young uh, missionary couple that's working in a, in a country that's very closed to the, to the gospel, um, but the people group that they're reaching, you might have heard it in the video, an unreached people group um, that the, the gospel has taken root and people are excited and they are going uh, into the, the woods and into the, uh, the more rural areas and sharing this exciting news that they've heard. So an unreached people group reaching an unreached people group. Um, there was the exciting report of a country that has been closed to the gospel for the last several decades that now there's a new opportunity to send missionaries back into and the alliance uh, with their focus, not on the easy wins, not on the numerical uh, wins, but they want to be in the places where the gospel is most desperately needed and they're willing to take the risks involved to, to go there. So uh, it was incredible. Yep. Thank you. Now, I'm going to let you all in on a little secret that we have in staff. In, in our staff here at the Village Church, we have divided every single human being into one of two categories. They're either parade people or non-parade people. People who either love a parade or people who would rather be someplace else on their own. And one of our class, classist non-parade people is Karen Solomon. And, uh, and maybe, you, maybe you connect that way. So I was really surprised, Karen, to see when we asked people to put down what their best recollections were of council, that you put down Missions Parade. You're gonna to have to explain why it is that the Missions Parade was so significant. Well, whether you know me or not, you now know I'm not a parade person. And if I was gonna have anything to do with the parade, I'd either volunteer to, to plan it or to preferably clean up after the parade. That would be my comfort zone. But this is my third council but it's my first missions parade. Uh, just circumstances, I, I missed the, the missions parade of the first two councils I went to, so I was really looking forward to it. And, but I, I was hesitant because I'm not much for parades, and it was the, you've seen some pictures, it's pretty traditional. Uh, people are dressed up in the, um, the native uh, garb of their country, representing their country, they're carrying a flag, and they're basically marching around you know, a great big convention center room. It's not, you know, the Macy's Day Parade, uh, thankfully. Um, but that's really it. So you have international workers in their attire. You have flags. And in this particular case, I think we could all agree it was probably not the most, um, the best choice of music, but it was what we had. And it was a march. And it was a repetitive march, if ever. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But as that was happening, and there were just this flow of people going up and down these aisles. Everybody was on their feet, including the non-parade person, me. And that whole experience transformed my non-parade heart. The Holy Spirit was present. I, I feel Jim nodding over here because we were next to each other. The Holy Spirit was present. It changed me. I can feel it now 
when I just reflect on the faces of, of the people parading, the children, there were people that were physically um, really struggling with this, this march, um, and there was just joy. There was joy and there was hope, and honestly, f for the first time, I felt like I had a physical embodiment that you know this Great Commission thing we talk about all the time? It's gonna happen. We're gonna reach everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said, let's talk <laughs> about the parade. Yeah, thanks. And then in addition to that, that you also indicated that uh, there was another special experience related to missions, and it really involves uh, you know, something in general that we do every council, but also uh, we have connected with, another, with a couple that uh, we are uh, supporting that relate to this issue. So tell us a little bit about the commissioning. There were 50 new workers mm -hmm. that were there to be um, newly commissioned. And, you know, this is... By the is way, can we just praise God for that? Yeah. 50 yeah. new workers. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a, a new astonishing thing to recognize. Thank you. So I think we'd all agree this has been a year plus of adaptation, having to adjust to changing conditions. And it was interesting, um, there's a tradition of how this commissioning has generally gone about. I'm sure it's changed over the years, but for quite a while there's, there's been a, um, a tradition of bringing up all the, the, the newly commissioned workers and then their pastors or their sponsors or people that are supporting them come up and get up on the platform or stage and pray with them, and that's been a tradition. So what do you do if you're planning council and you get there and you realize this is a very high platform and there are no stairs. There's no way to really get anybody from the floor up there. So what they did, unsurprisingly, was reach into scripture, specifically Romans 10:15, and they went back to this, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And so what happened was an incredible event where they brought all of these 50 workers with their children, and they were all, they all came to the very front of this, like if it was here, like the very front, they all lined up single file along the edge. And then the people that were coming to support them came up standing and just laid their hands, and there's some pictures I think up that they're gonna show you, laid their hands on their beautiful feet. And that moment was absolutely sacred. You're gonna, you hear that term over and over for this council, that moment was sacred, and it meant so much to just be there. This is the Bonsoffs. Andy was there with his hands on their feet, but there was a whole line, the whole way across this. It was, it was moving, it was sacred, and it was holy ground. It was, it was, it was really impactful. Thank you. Um, Don, we had uh, the opportunity to hear uh, some of the uh, great reports, and, we, and, and Tim Meyer alluded to it with respect to the giving last December, the highest giving day in Alliance history and the highest giving month, uh, but also uh, the Great Commission Day, of course, was, took place in May as well. And uh, what are your thoughts about uh, what we're seeing in terms of the responsiveness of God's people toward uh, providing the support that is necessary for Alliance missions? Yeah, the Holy Spirit is definitely at work. Uh, as um, was mentioned on the, on the video, uh, that, that December was the highest giving month in the history. And at the, at the end of the fiscal year, they, they exceeded uh, the expenses, which was a wonderful blessing. Um, 
And then this Great Commission Sunday offering happening during the month of May. I, I think there, remember, if you remember correctly, the original matching gift was 200,000. And so they were hoping to get another 200,000 to match and get up to 400,000. And I think uh, leading up to it, someone else gave another matching gift of 200,000, uh, which would potentially get it to 800,000. The Great Commission Sunday offering, as of today, is over $1.3 million. And, and, and remember, this is an over and above offering. This is, this is, this is not what we normally give to missions. This is a, a one-time what God is laying on my heart to give. And it really reflects our denomination, how people have have sensed the movement of God and were willing to do whatever it takes to get his children, to get his um, uh, the international workers that we have onto the mission field any way possible. And so amazing to hear uh, what God has provided in the midst of the, the, the difficult year that we've had, uh, a wonderful blessing, $1.3 million. Amen. Praise God. Now let me just add something to that because I want to thank you all for your participation in not only Great Commission Sunday but our uh, general, our, our, our Great Commission Fund giving uh, over this uh, last couple of years. In uh, general council, all the delegates get uh, a report called the President's Report and it is 175 or so pages long, I think, and, and uh, that's a little daunting to get through. But serious delegates read that stuff and uh, a lot of it has to do with some statistics and one of the pages in particular uh, caught my eye as I read through that document. Don knows what it is. It has to do with the highest giving churches in the United States to the Great Commission Fund and to Alliance Ministries. Where was the Village Church in that list, Don? We were number three behind Christ. Yeah. Behind Christ Community Church, which is a, uh, a wonderful church out in um, Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska, um, multiple thousands, and then Grace Church uh, in Middleburg Heights, Ohio, uh, again, multiple thousands in attendance right there, and then it was the Village Church, Amen. and uh, the fact that God moves in your hearts and our hearts to give to the level that we give, um, praise God. Yeah, amen. Just really do, we do, do praise God. Thank you so much for your support of Alliance Ministries. Um, we do missions, but we also have uh, church ministries here in the United States, and uh, Don alluded to that actually this morning when we showed the video of all of those people uh, who you might have thought might have been international workers or people from other countries but those were all people who were serving churches in the United States who came from all of those different language groups. It's astonishing to me that even in church ministries, the Christian and Missionary Alliance uh, is made up of about uh, more than 40% of uh, ethnic and Afri African American uh, believers and churches. So I think that's an astonishing testimony of uh, really what we are going to see when we get to heaven. People from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And uh, that kind of thing is certainly represented in our church ministries. 
In addition to that variety of people groups that are represented in church ministries in the United States, there were a variety of ages. Now, maybe you've forgotten that because we don't have children running around here very often. Uh, but there were some evidences of the full range of ages in general counsel. Uh, Karen, would you share a little bit about your observations about uh, that range of, uh, of, of diversity that we see in the alliance here in the United States? The ethnic diversity is fairly obvious in the video that we watched this morning, but also in the one that you just watched in the recap, in the people that are there. Um, but there was one story um, that, that kind of I, I caught my uh, attention because it all happened during COVID. And we think, you know, everything came to a stop and all the churches stopped, you know, meeting and every, there should have just been nothing happening. But this, uh, there was a report about a um, Hispanic church in Virginia. Um, so again, this is here in the United States. And I have to look down for this, but they went from one location to three uh, via church planting. They went from um, 12 um, in attendance on a normal Sunday at the beginning to 220 on average in attendance. They had 687 cumulative professions of faith and 252 cumulative baptisms. And if that isn't something to say praise the Lord for, and that, and, and, and there were many other stories like that of churches in cities across the United States that, that continued to meet in very unique and creative ways all during COVID and were growing and, and, and people were, and, and some in explosive ways and some in ways that you all might not find comfortable. Uh, there, there were churches meeting you know, like in a park, and, and then they would do a service the next week, and then, then, then they'd have like a kind of a concert thing, and, and then they'd have like a communion service, and it was all different things, different weeks. But all of these young people coming and coming to Christ and getting baptized, and it was, it was very moving to hear about that. Now on the age thing, that's a whole different issue, and that's something that I had really asked to talk about, because I was, I'm, I guess I'm always observing and sort of seeing connections. And at this, um, at this council, more than the other two I'd been to, it just kept striking me. And maybe it's because of the potential contentious issues that were gonna be debated or discussed. Um, there was talk about women in ministry, although that wasn't debated. And there was other things coming up on the agenda. And so there was a potential, I think, for a divide. Um, and some people might think that one of those divides might have been by age. And what I saw um, was almost the exact opposite. And I thought that was really super refreshing. And I wanted to share that. There were um, many attempts to, um, to include everybody, and ethnic-wise, obviously. But this was the first time I noticed it with age. So there were um, children's videos. We're gonna, you're gonna get to see one of those um, before we leave tonight, and I'm sure you'll all have a smile on your face. But what they also had were videos that they called Senior Saints. And they were, there were four individuals. Uh, they were all over 90. And they shared over the course of the, the entire uh, four uh, days. And there were, they, they were sharing their testimonies, and some of you probably would, would know the people that were in it, but they, were, they, weren't from, they weren't from here. 
And the thing that, that really struck me was, we don't need to show you guys any of those Senior Saint videos. I'm just honored and grateful and humbled that we get to serve with you, love you, get to hear your testimonies, and just get to share life with you. And, and it, I, I, it was so rewarding, though, to see the reaction of millennials and you know 30-year-olds or whatever. For, as they watched these Senior Saint videos, you, it was silent. They were in awe, and, and it really moved me. And it moves me when I hear, hear you all, but, it, but it, was, it was really interesting to watch what was going on. And the other thing that was, that was happening was that there was a, um, every, there's a tradition, in fact, um, the Nanfelts did this once, where they read the names of all the people that have passed in the last two years. Silence, awe, and respect. From everyone. There was um, the recognition of people who were serving for 50 years. Just absolute respect for that. There were countless uh, references back to Tozer or to A.B. Simpson or to international workers that paved the way for these workers. There was there was tremendous amount of, of just comments back to that all throughout. And so what I saw was that, you know, it doesn't have to be young versus old or old versus young, and that there can be um, differences of opinion, uh, but it was really heartening to, to witness the respect that all these young people had for, the, for people older than they were. Mm -hmm. and, and just to piggyback on that, um, uh, Karen mentioned the observation or recognition of the 50-year service uh, uh, folks, and that, that's a small group of people. I can't remember, we're, we're two or three, four couples. Well, one of them is one of ours. Roy and Carol Johnston were recognized for 50 years of service in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And it's, <laughs> I learned things about Roy and Carol I never knew because uh, their ministry over many years in various dimensions is quite remarkable and extraordinary. Uh, so you'll want to make sure that when they come back, and they will, uh, that you'll uh, say something to them about that. We just praise God uh, for them and, and uh, what was remarkable about uh, their, their life and history. And I think, uh, I think they probably started when they were 12 or something, but anyway, they, they, uh, 50 years of service. Now, we've uh, we talked about missions, we've talked about church ministries, um, but we also, as, uh, as Jim alluded to, there, there were plenty of opportunities for worship. Uh, which I think set the right tone, as Jim mentioned, uh, for the kinds of things that we wanted to accomplish and saw accomplished uh, during, uh, during our time together in council. Don, would you share your thoughts about uh, the worship experiences that we enjoyed there? Sure, just one, one uh, shameless plug. Roy Johnston will be teaching a CLS class. Uh, I think it's the next quarter that, uh, that he'll be teaching, but watch your e-connection, uh, for information on that, but Roy will be teaching a six or seven week class. So good start on his next fifty, right? There you go. We're we're blessed that people continue to serve, and so uh, again, one of the areas where there can be differences um, when it comes with our age is music, and uh, as general counsel usually does, there was a wide variety of music. 
Uh, we had, uh, you saw some of the video uh, earlier, C.C. Winans was a, a special musical guest on Monday evening, and she uh, led worship before the preaching, and then uh, had, a, had about a 30 or 40 minute concert afterward, and truly led us into the presence of the Lord. Andrew Peterson, that might be a name familiar to some of you, who wrote the song, Is He Worthy? Uh, or He Is Worthy? Is He, is he Worthy? Yeah. One of those two, is he worthy is the question. He is worthy is the answer. Uh, a wonderful hymn of great praise to God. He was our Tuesday evening musical guest on Wednesday and Thursday evening. We had an Alliance worship um, team together that uh, had recently uh, worked on some brand new music that we experienced for two evenings, and they did a wonderful job, uh, led by Kelvin Walker, our, our uh, corporate vice president. And then in the mornings, we had a, a special guest, and you saw his picture up there. In fact, you heard a few words. Uh, and, uh, um, Aaron Schust uh, was uh, the guest musician uh, who, lead, who led during the president's report each morning. And um, Aaron is a wonderful brother from western Pennsylvania, grew up in an Alliance Church, led uh, music in Alliance Church for a number of years, now currently lives in Nashville, uh, has done very well with, with uh, recording Christian music, but he has a huge heart for the Lord and the ability to not only do contemporary music, but he knows the hymns as well. And I'm not lying when I... Not Don, he would never... Ex exaggerate when I would when I'm tell you that the volume of people singing tripled when we sang a hymn that everybody knew and it was wonderful and Aaron led us in that that time of worship uh, integrating ver both contemporary and wonderful hymns of the faith and and he just had a sort of a heart-to-heart heart, heart heart connection with John Stumbo, and John would just would stop talking, and, and Aaron would just pick up right from there in a song that would lead us into the Lord's presence, or thank the Lord, or praise the Lord for, for his magnificent uh, work in our midst. And so uh, Aaron Schust uh, did a wonderful job. So we had a little bit of... of uh, different styles for the different uh, kind of group that we had there, but wonderful music giving praise to God. And of course, the, uh, the idea of a president's report while we worship is a quite remarkable thing, and I think that was really you know, pretty special, and that's the kind of thing that Don was talking about with respect to Aaron Schust and the, and the sort of the interplay between the things that were being presented by John Stumbo and his, and his team and the testimonies and uh, the worship experience that we enjoyed. The president's report is typically looked at as business, but John Stumbo has made it, made it a, a, a business slash time of worship, and it really is effective. Yep. Now, in addition to those worship experiences that uh, Don alluded to, one of the traditions at General Council is a healing service. And uh, we did have an opportunity for people to uh, not, not only hear testimonies about healing, but also uh, to pray for one another and uh, be anointed. And uh, Sonny, would you tell us uh, how that worked 
uh, in that setting and uh, how it worked for you in particular. We got a box at the beginning. They didn't have our usual handout. They gave us a box and in the boxes we had um, a little vial of healing oil. We had a little communion cup and we, it was like a little kit that you were ready for the whole week. But um, I, so I knew there would probably be a, a healing service at the end. But I think most of you know I had back surgery four months ago and it didn't work. And um, so I haven't been able to walk um, without pain past around four in the afternoon. So anyway, I, I thought when they, this Asian couple, um, John asked them to do the, the beginning of this healing service um, and share and pray and call people. They said, is there anybody here that needs healing? And it didn't look like very many people stood up, but I thought, <laughs> I'm going to go for this. I'm going to do it. Just be and I, I'm not really that strong in the faith of healing as much as I should be. But I, I got up and they said, can you people around just gather around each person you see standing and um, pray for them. And so I had a group of around 10 people, including a chaplain, a Navy chaplain. And um, they all gathered around and they prayed. And while they were praying, the pain got so intense, I could hardly stand up and I started shaking like a leaf. And I, I thought, no, I'm not going to sit. I refuse to sit. I want to stand here with them. And they prayed and prayed. And um, it just felt like claws of hot fire were just going in the hip joint. And I thought, you know, and then it was over. And he said, you know, we've got to go on with the service. So sat down. And at the end, John Stumble, he's such a sensitive man. He, he said, um, you know, I think maybe there were some unfinished um, prayers that happened earlier, and he said, if you don't feel like you've received the, what you came for tonight from the Lord, and, and you don't feel like you were healed completely, or whatever, he said, just, I would ask, we all have to leave the room so they can clean it, but he said, just go out in the hall, and whoever's left from the group, come and gather around. My whole group went out and waited for me to come out, and they all just gathered around me, and be, continued to pray. Same thing happened, the pain got horrendous. And then this chaplain says to me, he was um, uh, in, all in white, I remember, with, with like blue things on his shoulders, and he, he was very gentle, and he goes, do you have unbelief in your heart about healing? <laughs> and I go, uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, well, Probably like the in scriptures, maybe you should confess it out loud. Like, you know, Lord, I said, I know that scripture well. And so I said, I for certain will. And he goes, me too. I'm going to pray that because he goes to the rest of them. Do any of you have unbelief? And they're all like, you know, so we're all confessing we needed our help for our unbelief. As soon as that happened, the pain just disappeared. It was amazing. And <laughs> and then they just all sort of just drifted away because the evening was really, we were really late that night. And so I was really amazed and I was walking, it was about a half mile to walk back to my room. This hotel is huge. And there was a girl with a baby there in a stroller. She looked so um, tired and and I don't see babies often, so I had to comment. And so I began talking with her, and she turned out to be the um, American Sign Language interpreter for the whole conference. And um, so 
I had taken American Sign Language when I was getting my teaching uh, certification, and so we got talking about it, and, and then she was telling me something so amazing is that she and her husband, who is deaf, um, she and her husband were planting a church in Maryland because the deaf are an unreached people group. There's only 2% um, that are believers in our country, so they were planting a church in um, in Maryland, um, and then she told me how they met and all. So I stood there talking with her. I didn't really realize it had been 20 minutes with no pain. I haven't been able to stand up even for five minutes, for four or five months. And, um, and so anyway, I was walking all the way back to my room, just, Jesus, thank you so much. You know, I, I have received so much from this time. Um, at the, at the uh, council, and I just wanted to thank you because I came away with something really substantial in my life to come away with a healing. And if you all hadn't have been so generous and sent me to go to that, I, I, that who knows? So I want to thank you for sending me to that council because it, I came away with multiple things, but that was primo. Amen. So thank you. Thank Praise you. God. <laughs> Yeah, that was really special. Thank you. In, in addition to uh, the, the singing, which we've alluded to, and a special service like the healing, there's also some really good preaching from Alliance people. And, uh, and, and Karen, tell us a little bit about the, the one that I think spoke to you the most uh, in, that, in that regard. Well, as Jim uh, alluded to at the beginning of this, each day had the same kind of uh, format. You had the president's report, but it was worship in the morning. And then the business, uh, which Andy made into worship as well, uh, in the afternoon. And then in the evening, there were four different um, worship services, which had a lot of things going on in them. But the highlights were the, were the messages, the, the spoken word. Uh, they were all excellent. If you're interested, they're all available online, which we could make available to you. But one in particular was uh, basically called Average and Basic, and that's the one that spoke to me. And uh, Jen Ashby um, uh, provided the message, and I didn't know what Sonny was going to say, but, but these words I'm going to say anyway. Um, I can't possibly rehash her, her sermon up here. Um, I wouldn't do it justice. But it did move me. And what I wanted to, to say was thank you, because as the only non-pastoral staff member who gets sent, it's, a, it's an incredible privilege. And it matters, and I don't take it for granted. It's, it, it's, um, and to hear Jen's message, um, it, it, really, it really did move me, because it was, it went all over, and it was about the sacred church, and, and everybody up here and all of you could do it better than I can. But she was very clear in reminding us all that God uses all of us and uses the foolish and the weak and uses the average. And, and it really spoke. Um, I think it didn't just speak to me. But there were a lot of tired pastors in that couple of thousand people. It's been a tough year on pastors and churches. 
And so it really, I think it, it really, really spoke. And, and the main thing was, and this, I thought of this morning when Andy was preaching here, was that we kind of need to stop choosing to serve and start choosing to be a servant. And when we make the switch, everything changes because then God can really use us and that he has this unending amount of resources and because and when he abides in us we have an ending amount of resources there is no too tired or don't have enough or i'm not good enough or i don't have that gift that it's this endless bountiful thing and that we are the church and that we're building the church but that we're all doing it and we're all builders and it just it, it was more than that i can't really express it but the main thing i wanted to express was gratitude because it it really changes things i um it, it it and it brings you into the relationship with this alliance family that we talk about in a way that you just couldn't get if you weren't there thank you well we can't talk about general counsel without getting into business and so uh, I, I know that you've been dying to know about business but there are a number of different things that uh, were covered, and I think you'll, uh, you'll find some of it interesting. Uh, one of the things that you already have gotten a preview about, because uh, John Stumbo came back here in January to talk about the project, was the transition of the national office from Colorado Springs to uh, near Columbus, Ohio, Reynoldsburg. And uh, there were some interesting dimensions of that whole move that I think we learned at General Counsel. Don, can you share those observations about uh, that move that uh, were shared during the President's report? Back when John was here in January, this was, this was all future talk. It was trusting the Lord for the funds that were needed to, to accomplish uh, the second section and the third section and the, and the fourth section. Well. Uh, God has been wonderfully, faithfully providing the resources that are needed. Uh, the, the phase two has already been completed um, as far as the, the funds that were needed to purchase the property. Uh, phase three, it was the selling of the existing property uh, and then the uh, using that funds to, uh, to uh, those funds to, to fund the new building project in Reynoldsburg and our, our uh, national office property in Colorado Springs is under contract uh, for, a, for a wonderful number, and so uh, that should happen. Um, but I've been around long enough to know that, that uh, it was 30 years ago that we moved from Nyack, New York, to Colorado Springs, and here we are moving from Colorado Springs, jumping back to Ohio, and does that make sense? And... and you know, how about all the people that now live in Colorado and are they going to have to move to Ohio? And there were a lot of question marks. And uh, one of the amazing things that happened is John had the opportunity and took the time in a morning session to uh, explain even more detail than he could when he was with us all of the steps in which God has demonstrated his faithfulness and blessing in in putting together this project, moving the headquarters from Colorado Springs to Ohio, uh, including, and this was the part that really was an encouragement to me, we met the fellow who's heading up the project for the Christian Missionary Alliance, and he's not a pastor. Now, 
Now, there's nothing that I have against pastors. I've been serving for, as one for 30 years. But in my thinking, we didn't need a pastor to, to do what's necessary to move our headquarters from Colorado to Ohio. We needed somebody with good business sense, somebody that had the ability to bring the differing needs together and working with architects and planners and working with town officials and, uh, and also someone who deeply loves Jesus. And believe it or not, God has provided a fellow by the name of Rob Childs to do exactly that. Rob has a business background. He, he helped the Salem Alliance Church in Salem, Ohio, do this exact same thing, create a multi-use property in downtown Salem apart from their church building so that they could minister to the community in Salem, Oregon. And uh, Rob led the church uh, in that program, and God blessed him doing that. And, and Rob shared the, the different ways, the different steps in which God opened the door for him to now work on our national office team, heading up the whole relocation plan. So it's, uh, God has his hands on this. This is a God thing. It's not man's idea. It's God's idea. And so uh, our responsibility and encouragement is to get behind and, and pray and participate in a way that we're asked to and see what God has in mind for our new national office plans. And those elements with, uh, with Rob Childs are, are really miraculous, aren't they? And faith-filled in terms of what God led him through and, and uh, what, what he's brought through that process is quite, quite exciting as a testimony. Well, we also want to talk, just for a moment, I'll uh, share with you the, the main business issues that were uh, dealt with at council. Uh, the primary one had to do with the statement of faith. Uh, there has been one statement of faith in the Christian and Missionary Alliance that's been uh, active since 1965, and it's never been uh, adjusted, uh, language brought up to date or anything along those lines. And so John Stumbo started a process a couple of years ago to help, uh, to help the Alliance move through with various conversations uh, ways in which we can update all the 11 articles of the statement of faith. And uh, that process led to the board of directors uh, presenting uh, proposed uh, new articles on, the on each of the 11 articles of the Statement of Faith and presenting them to general counsel for adoption. And uh, that process took place on one afternoon. We didn't have a whole lot of time to do uh, justice to all of it. Uh, but the bottom line, at least my, my takeaway from it, number one, uh, these were all improvements in clarity in the Statement of Faith in various ways without in any way, shape, or form budging on issues of uh, the fundamental uh, kinds of things that, are, that, that classify us as an, uh, a historic Orthodox Christian church. In other words, the doctrine of Scripture, the doctrine of the atonement of Christ, all of those kinds of things are just as solid as a rock. And, uh, but there were, needed, there were updates needed in language in various ways. Uh, that process went uh, through the whole voting and debate process, as you can imagine. And uh, we got through of the 11 articles, uh, eight of them, I believe. Uh, two of them were defeated, which basically meant we kept the original articles of the Statement of Faith. And the other six were adopted that we got through. And they'll have to come back to general counsel in two years 
for ratification. You have to do this in two councils in order to change the statement of faith. And then the other uh, three articles that we didn't get to, plus the ones that were defeated, we'll sort of go back uh, for further review and come back to council in a couple of years. So it's a process that we're moving through, and I think there was a really good debate about those kinds of things. The other issue had to do with women in ministry. And I think it's important to recognize a, a couple of things that set the stage for this, and, and John Stumble has been hosting a number of, of uh, conversations around the country for a couple of years and is continuing to do that. Um, women in ministry is an issue uh, in which the Christian and Missionary Alliance has always been what we would call a complementarian denomination. By that we mean that there are distinctions between men and women that do show up in the polity of, uh, of the church. And the, the chief among those distinctions is that eldership, according to scripture, as best we understand it, is a male office. And there was no uh, question that the alliance was going to affirm male eldership in uh, the proposals that are coming through that process. At the same time, we have had a glorious history of women who have been uh, wonderfully engaged in ministry and some significant leadership roles in ministry uh, that the Christian and Missionary Alliance has recognized and affirmed. And at the present time, women uh, who are preparing for ministry go through essentially the same program as men do that are going through ordination, except we don't call it ordination, we call it something else. And so there's a desire to sort of make sure we understand how to uh, recognize and support and affirm women in ministry at the same time that we hold, uh, hold solid on uh, the complementarian uh, position. And so there were some proposals that came through, but at the same time, uh, Dr. Stumbo and his team didn't feel that they were really ready to go to council for a vote. And so they really weren't brought uh, to the business sessions. Instead, they shared uh, what the progress was on developing those policies uh, in the President's Report section uh, for uh, maybe a half an hour or so that I think was very encouraging. Those conversations will continue. One of the reasons why I, I don't think uh, Dr. Stumble wanted to bring it is because this was an unusual council. A third of the delegates weren't present. They were online, which made, meant for an unusual kind of circumstance. So I would expect uh, the issue of women in ministry to come back in some form in the next council. So those are the two main issues that we dealt with in the business session of council. And then, Don, what, do you, uh, what are your observations about business in general? We talked about worship, we've talked about the preaching, talked about the healing service, all those kinds of things. What about, uh, what about the business sessions? Well, Jim sort of cracked open the, the, uh, the box a little bit when he talked about the uh, attitude and the, uh, the, the uh, way in which uh, council, council floor participated. They, they all uh, had uh, words to say, but said them, those that were at a microphone said them uh, in such a way that uh, they weren't demeaning other people, they weren't uh, exhibiting the fruit of the spirit in their, in their uh, comments. But the person that responsible for a committee meeting or an annual meeting with 2,000 people present. So, so you can imagine there are 2,000 people in your annual meeting. Wow, you'd never have that many. Plus another 1,000 that are online who can participate as well. The person that had the privilege of, of herding those cats was Andy. 
And, and uh, he did an amazing job as the Holy Spirit filled him to do that. And we just wanted to show you a little clip uh, of the reason, one of the reasons why it went so well. So you'll recognize the guy on the screen right now. Now, all those are the parliamentary issues that I think would get us started and uh, help us to move through the business, I think, uh, as expeditiously as possible. Uh, but that's not enough for us. All of those issues that I've mentioned about decorum are important. They're important in the general counsel rules. They're important in Robert's rules of order as well. But they are not enough for us. This is the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Sanctification is no mere doctrine for us. Sanctification is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of dying to self, of considering others better than ourselves, of being filled with the Spirit of Christ. And so our speech, our conduct, and our attitudes, even when discussing matters of great passion and significance, are to be filled with grace even as they are seasoned with salt. We always need to speak in an edifying way, in an encouraging way, always seeking to advance the kingdom of love and grace, even at our own expense. David Gooden, who was my predecessor in this position, once said that general counsel is a laboratory for the exercise of Christian love and a clinic in the spirit-filled life. A lot is at stake in this meeting, in these sessions. And I'm not talking about the legislation itself. I'm talking about the fact that the world is watching us. And you might say that the world isn't watching us, we're just here in one big family. It's in family, that's what we're doing here. But you know as well as I do that word travels fast, that the grapevine is effective, and what we say and how we say it will be known very, very quickly outside of this room. And so the world actually is watching. Jesus said in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then he said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other words, Jesus is saying the world is watching us and the world will make a decision about whether you and I are genuine believers in Jesus Christ based on how we treat one another in love. Not based upon how we treat them or the world, but how we treat one another in love. Jesus prayed in John 17, he said, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us. And then he said this, so that the world may believe that you sent me. And so Jesus identifies that the world will make a decision about whether Jesus came from the Father on the basis of the unity that they see expressed in gatherings just like this one. That's what's at stake in these proceedings, legislation notwithstanding. 
Now that doesn't mean we all have to agree with each other all of the time, but it does mean that we need to agree with Paul in Ephesians 4 when he says that we should act with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to pursue, preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so, dear friends, the world will be making judgments about us during these proceedings about whether we are who we say we are, believers in Jesus Christ, and about whether Jesus himself, the Son of God incarnate, has actually come from the Father. That's what's at stake in our business sessions. And if we follow that, our business sessions will be just as sacred as any other part of our proceedings in general counsel. So then we did business. And uh, I think there were some unique moments in business that surprised us. And Sonny, would you describe one of the ones that I think was special to all of us? Well, they read the, I had to, oh, sorry. <laughs> I had to um, write this down because these are big words here for me. Um, they were had on an overhead projector so we all could see the recommendations for changes to the statements of faith, um, different articles that we went through. And they were read to us by a young pastor named Marco Requena. And um, <laughs> he got up there and he read the, the statement of faith with such passion, you would think he was... His whole life was depending on every word he spoke. He was in tears over the part about hell and people going to being lost forever. And it, I mean, the man was just passionate as he read these these statements of faith, uh, the articles, and um, and then he had to stand there the whole time. <laughs> And if somebody, just one little word wasn't particularly, you know, oh, we need to know more about, can you read that again? And he had to read it again. And he'd read that over and over as many times as it was requested with just as much passion as he did the first time. And so, yeah, the meeting, the meeting was incredible just by listening to the statement of faith being read by this pastor so, so passionately. Or you wanted to say something? You yeah, thanks. Go away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know that wasn't the only moment. I think there was a time in which the secretary, uh, a woman, a secretary of the of the committee on alliance and missions, also read the missions report. It was no report. It was read with such passion that uh, deeply, deeply moving. So business was not business as usual. I think that's what the message was. Well, we had an unusual council. Uh, just a couple of things to, to, uh, to bring it to a conclusion. One of them was that it's an unusual council because there were emergency bylaws that had to be created because of COVID. They weren't sure when we started this whether we could actually gather in person. And so we had both in-person and online delegates, accredited delegates. And that was no easy task. And so they had to really up their game with respect to the technology area. And so, Karen, can you tell us a little bit about how that kind of thing went uh, with uh, all the technology that was involved? Well, when leadership, uh, national leadership was planning this council, 
you know, if you think about it, they knew they had a contract for Nashville, so they knew where, but they had no idea if anyone was going to be able to come. I mean, they literally didn't know. Um, would, would there be, like, no one there? Uh, could they be there and it would all have to be remote? I mean, the planning that went into this was, was incredible. But they went ahead and realized that with these emergency bylaws that they were going to have to figure out a way to have, hopefully, both online and in-person delegates. And it would have been probably easier if everybody was online. But to try to do both uh, was a big challenge, which added to Andy's uh, herding cats issue. Uh, but it actually, it worked. They did a, a tremendous job. And they had all kinds of things set up. Because remember, they weren't just listening in. This wasn't like streaming it so people could watch it. This was actually so that they could debate from remote. And that they could uh, vote remote. And in some sort of manner that would be timely. And it was very interesting. They were very creative. They had a whole team of people uh, communicating all the time with these thousand or eight hundred or a thousand. I don't remember how many people online. And they could, uh, and and then they spoke on their behalf. So they would like if they as if they had approached a mic to debate. Um, it was very interesting. Did it slow it down? Yes, it did slow it down a little bit because it took a little while for the for, for that process to go. And when there was a vote, you had to be just a little bit patient because you couldn't just stand up and do like a visual vote. Uh, you had to wait for the tally of the online. Um, but it was handled and it was handled well. And it really was an uh, incredible adaptation and a, a bizarre year uh, of not knowing. And, and so many people would not have been able to participate um, if they hadn't have done that with the delegates. Mm -hmm. And then everybody had an app, right? <laughs> We're into yeah. the app age, and, uh, and people use them. And uh, so uh, I think you actually had a handout that uh, related to that. Don't you? I did. Yeah. There was a lot of technology. It wasn't just about the online thing. And they have had apps, uh, council apps, for several years. Very useful because once you have the app on your phone, and I think everybody did, it gives you the schedule and where the rooms are and what time is this and that and all kinds of things about the arrangements. Um, but one of the things on this app is an activity stream. And I was trying to figure out how to share this with you because it really had a lot of impact on council. And it wasn't new this year. They, they, they had it last year. Um, but that activity stream was sort of like Facebook, if you've ever seen Facebook. But it was more like a Facebook group where it was just the people that were delegates could access this stream. But it was a running commentary for all the days from morning until late at night and then even before and after council and everybody's thing on how they got home. So it, it, was, a, it was ongoing, but while you were at council, it was this constant commentary. And so if you probably have some feelings about social media, and I was a little concerned, Okay, I was watching this thing, and I would say, uh, without exaggerating, Dom, that there was probably 99% of it was encouraging and positive. It was amazing. And it really gave you an idea of the power of this type of social media when it's used well. And it was, it was just very, very interesting to see it. Now, I, what I provided to you were random excerpts in no particular order because that's kind of how it comes across. It's every random person just saying whatever they want to say, creating little memes. Um, Andy featured relatively prominently, um, and there were many, many uh, memes and uh, comments about Andy, but positively. But they love his bow ties. 
and so that was a big deal. Um, but they, it was a serious issue because they would be commenting right in the middle of debate. They would be commenting right in the middle of somebody's sermons. There were most of the people that were using this and, and making the comments were far younger than me, um, and so they they skewed young. But those of us that were older were reading it, okay, and following. And they so they took notes. They did all kinds of things with this activity stream. You'll notice that sarcasm uh, had its way. So on some of those. Um, but it was all good-natured and supportive, and people were really like coming together and trying to call out the best in people through that activity screen. And I really think that there was a lot of comments made about um, like the hymns and how much they meant to them. And these are mainly like 20-year-olds. Uh, they were talking about um, they would. That's where I got a lot of my feelings about how much respect and awe there were for the senior saints and the, and the older people because they would make comments on that stream. And really, the use of technology, as much as we all kind of resist sometimes and it, it kind of feels like it takes over, God is using technology. And he's using it to connect his people and to spread the gospel. So we need to just be able to really appreciate, I know I appreciate our tech crew, but we need to appreciate what, what happens and how that technology is being used to, to really connect people to God. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thank you. As we get ready to come to a conclusion, you know, I started out with the, uh, the, the, the rookie on the, in the bunch, uh, Jim as a first-time council attendee. But I'd like to end with uh, Paul and Sandy and see what you all think. Uh, as you've been to many councils before, what do you think the value has been, maybe over the years and maybe even in this particular case, of, uh, of meetings like General Council and what it, uh, what it does for us as a denomination? Well, I look forward to and enjoy the most is the fellowship, uh, the, the new missionaries going out. And we always go with the idea of how can we help, how can we support, how can we come alongside and, and help these young people with young families going to hard places in our world. And the feeling I get is John Stumbaugh always refers to us as the Alliance family. And it is, it's a family atmosphere. It's like going to a family reunion. You're going, you know, and you haven't seen some of these people for a long time and you want to talk to them. You want to hear their, their stories and their experiences. and. And so we, we just look forward to going to see what God is doing. God is working all around the world, not just in our little world here. And so that's exciting. Amen. And similarly, uh, we've known uh, missionaries that now have their sons and daughters on the field and their grandchildren on the field. Yeah. And we've got to know this whole group of people and we get to interact with them at the council. And so we get to see the older missionaries and, and re new relationships with them. And we get to see a young couple like this that's going to Indonesia that we've never met before, but we're beginning relationship with them. So it's all about relationships, renewing old ones and starting new ones, mm -hmm. which is why we go. And praise the Lord. And uh, Karen alluded to, and, and also Jim alluded to the videos, uh, particularly the range of ages and the senior saint videos but they also had some children's videos that uh, we would like to end by showing you 
this uh, to help you understand uh, what the church is. This is all about what the church is. And so uh, watch this video in which uh, that question is posed to these uh, youngsters. I'll make sure that I can hear you on the microphone. Yeah, you don't even have to touch it. Don't touch it. You don't even have to okay. touch it. Because he can hear you right where you are. Okay. This is kind of hard. The question I'm going to ask you, like I said, is pretty easy. What is church? Church? I don't know. I can't. It's too hard. Church? It's like... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a good place to get a donut. And it's a place where I get to play games. Also, there's coffee. Kind of like a hospital. What way is it like a hospital? Uh, helping people. Church is a place where you can remember what God has done for you and connect with people and help them through hard things that they're going through or just help them through good things. Church is where you can learn, you can do stuff, and go everywhere you want to. I like Alliance Kids because it always makes church feel shorter. <laughs> it's a place where you sing and dance and learn about God on every Sunday. Do you dance? No. <laughs> My favorite thing at church is to sing and praise Lord. A place where you'll worship God and sing holy songs. Worshiping is my favorite part because I just love screaming out the word, yelling out the words. It's a house of God. They're not just coming there for just so they could be in heaven, but Christians should go to church so they could actually know what God is like. It's um, almost like a school. The only subject is you, you like learn more and more about Jesus. It's very exciting, and uh, we do a lot of fun stuff with the teachers. Is there another question for me? <laughs> Church means like the resurrection of Christ, like and we worship God there too. They talk about Jesus, and it's very good for kids to learn to to believe in Jesus and to love Jesus. Church is like a place that I can like be myself and worship God. Church is, we sing about Jesus' birthday. Somewhere where you get to go and maybe have some fun activities and learn how to love him. A place you can go to and listen to the Holy Spirit. It makes people learn how to love people even though you sometimes be mean to them, you still love them. Mm. Actually, Mom, if you want to come over here, then she won't look over that way. You can stand right here, right next to me. Church is a place where you can worship and learn new things. We dance and we do everything I want to do. You can learn about God and make friends and the other stuff that I don't really know. The other day, I didn't get to go because of all the COVID. You know that we had to wear shields too? That was kind of boring. The church is a group of people that come together to worship and love God together. It's a place where you, where you get to hear about God and that's where missionaries are made. I'm learning mostly about the Holy Spirit and how it gives you power. We learn about Jesus and things he did. 
like he, when he died on the cross for us. Church is where we worship God and then if somebody doesn't know God, we can tell them and they are going to really believe us. Today at church we went up on the balcony and we saw five people getting baptized. They put these people under water and it's called baptism. People are getting baptized from the name of the Lord of Jesus. Some people got vaccinated. What, what does it mean when you get vaccinated? Somebody who gets in a pool and then somebody who puts them back and then they go in the water. They were just dunking the heads and I don't like to be dunked. Not at all. When you like stand up and like you do this, I don't really do it because I think it's a little embarrassing. When someone's like getting baptized, I'll like stand up and like if he's my friend, yes, I will go straight away and like say, you go. <laughs> Is there another question? I think it's my favorite thing to do in the week. It's a fun place to be and you learn more each Sunday. In my opinion, it's the best hour of my whole week. Yes, finally. Is it hard? <laughs> Yeah, so hard. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Isn't that great? Would you stand with me as we come to a conclusion and join me as we sing praise to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you. Good night. God bless you.